We welcome singer-songwriter Caitlin Gemma to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Born in northern Nevada, Caitlin has been on our radar for a while and has been making a name for herself up and down the West Coast over the last decade. She recently released her fourth studio album, Love Notes, and we'll be going deep into that tonight as we get to know her and the music she creates. Please welcome to the program, Caitlin Gemma. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Ah, my goodness. Caitlin... Let's just start with a good quote that you once said. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's the thesis statement for your creative soul. And that mm-hmm. is, you said that at the heart of each song is a story. One we all live, relate to, celebrate, and mourn. Mm. You're, yes. you're referring to your own song. <laughs> Could you go a little deeper into that? Because I feel like that is what you define as your like mission and role as a songwriter. Mm. Yeah, um, when I think about that statement, I picture um, this moment, several moments that I had while recording Love Notes, and I recorded it at a 100-year-old theater, and um, one reason that I think that that album came out as well as I wanted it to was that I imagined as I was recording it um, what it would feel like on the other side, so what would it feel like as the listener. And I imagine all these different people in different places, like maybe someone's just in their home listening to it as they're making breakfast, or maybe someone's in their car or something. And I just really tried to visualize so many different kinds of people experiencing the music. And I did that while I was creating it. And I wanted to also generate a feeling. Um, So really imagine what the listener would feel when I was creating it. Because you're channeling experiences and feelings you've had, right? Yeah. So, I mean, when you're picturing those people, does that help you sort of like curate and sort that? Yeah, I think it just like helped me have more direction and purpose in creating those songs and in feeling like, okay, this is something that I'm doing for others and and for myself, but also like... um yeah, wanting to reach outside of myself more and and do for others what music has always done for me. What has music done for you? It saved my life, honestly. Like, music has, you know, taken me out of some dark places and transformed my life completely. Um, I've always loved words. I grew up writing poetry. Um, and... I was just always attached to listening to music. I always had the Walkman on me and, <laughs> you know, would fall asleep to listening to music yeah. always so, as a kid. So I just, because uh, it just seems like some people write music just as therapy for themselves, but mm. it seems like for you, there's like a higher calling to it. There's a higher yeah. mission there. And would you agree with that? I would, yeah. This album was released last year and it was referred to by a publication called Vortex Magazine as a genre bending take on radical self-love. Mm. I feel like it's a lot more than that, though. This, this mm-hmm. album is a, is a concept album. Yeah. Could you, in, in, I mean, I don't know if you would call it that, but I mean, there's definitely, is, like, yeah. there's definitely, definitely a concept, concept behind yeah. it. <laughs> so could you tell us about that concept? Well, um, 
It's called Love Notes because it's 10 love songs, different kinds of love. Um, The first song, Ain't That Something, is about self-love, which is, I think, the most important. Because if you don't love yourself, then you can't love other people. Um, And then it kind of moves through, like, um, relationship, you know, the, those kind of standard yeah. love songs. You, you you cover a lot of different types of love on this album. Uh, like long distance love is something mm. you said. Uh, mm-hmm. You said, what else did you say here? Uh, tough love. Tough love. You know, yeah. obviously self-love. What do you feel like you learned about love mm. in the making of this album, writing these songs? I learned that love is everywhere. And um, my, my favorite song on the album, Lean On My Love, opens with love is the constant season that stays um that was that line was a poem that i wrote at a friend's wedding and it was autumn time and the seasons were changing and um it felt like politically like a lot was going on too um and it just felt like a really kind of like intense raw time but it was also i was at this wedding and it was really beautiful too and and I was standing by this oak tree and I wrote down this line in my phone, love is the constant season that stays because I thought, you know, it's October now and the seasons are changing, but there's always this this thing that we can grab onto. We can always choose love. And, and that kind of like, after I wrote that song, it sort of set the tone for a lot of other songs too that ended up on the album. And not to criticize Vortex Magazine, because I do think that self-love is probably like one of the mm. more important discoveries that you made in, in making this album about how yeah. important and fundamental that is. <laughs> um, but it, do you feel like you learned to like love yourself better? Do you, did you struggle with self-love like at a different mm. point in your life? It feels like this album, uh, when it touches on self-love, it's, it's you really kind of like ruminating on how important that is and maybe about like your own personal progress on that. Yeah, I would say so. Um, how this album's different than the other three is that um, I finally felt like I was being myself and allowing myself to be myself. So the previous three albums... Um, there was moments where I felt like I was touching on something that was authentically me, but there was always a song on the album that I felt like was just filler or something that I was putting on, um, because it sounded like this other song that I liked, but it wasn't necessarily coming from my heart. And so this album is, is, has moved past all that. Um, and it took some time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say that, that self-love is, is definitely a prominent theme there. Um, one thing that comes to mind is that uh, my last three albums before this were like folky, bluegrassy albums. And I always had this love for Motown music and soul. And in, in that process of writing folk and bluegrass music, I thought like, oh, someday, like I want to be in a funk soul cover band and I'll have this other persona happening. And once my string band kind of fell away and I was just completely on my own as a solo songwriter again, I started writing soulful tunes and it occurred to me that 
I was the person that was holding myself back and I, I don't need to have a side project. I just need to be me and that I don't need to stick to one genre that people aren't going to stop liking my music because I'm branching out. And so this was a this album was a real branching out of genres. It feels like a, a really simple concept if you haven't sat in your seat. The idea of just like being comfortable to try something new, mm-hmm. but uh, profound. It's probably something that kept you up. It's something that worried you. As somebody who's dedicated <laughs> themselves totally to music, the idea of making a wrong move and then like um, uh, basically like making potentially opening yourself up for people to say, eh, I don't really like her music as much as I used to. That's a scary thing. And what a mm-hmm. what an amazing like transformation it is just to simply say, this is me, this is what I want to do, and uh, I'm comfortable enough with myself to make this change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's 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 profound in its simplicity. I, I'm just going to be me. <laughs> but you, mm-hmm. you, you see everybody in the entire world wrestle with that as they grow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When they're younger, a lot of the time there's a, there's inner discomfort. And, and hopefully as people get older, they become more comfortable and get to navigate this world as their more authentic selves. Yes. And this album is a celebration of that in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, Tom Gaffey, co-host Tom Gaffey, uh, yeah. you you uh, you brought up to me that there are seven types of oh, love. Yes. What did you want to talk about on well, that way? You know, yeah. So I didn't know this. I didn't know that this there was were. an assignment of mine uh, when I was in high school and to read the book uh, Seven Types of Love, uh, and also Psychology Today has an article on it, and there are, uh, as as defined by the Greeks, seven types of love. Weirdly. <laughs> You know, you're bringing this back because I actually did read did this, read but I, I, ah. I'm looking forward to a reminder. Cool. Yes. So there are the seven types, strangely. <laughs> the last one was the one that, that you centered on the most. And uh, in, in the Greek world, um, they were... Philosia. Philosia. And this is self-love. Mm. But, and, and it was it's such an important love to have. But you need to be careful it doesn't turn into they were afraid of hubris. Mm-hmm. And well, that's and, unhealthy self love. It is unhealthy self love and it led to the fall of Troy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in in their uh, in, in their uh, mythology, uh, it was uh, one of the most important loves, but also one of the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. You needed to be sure that your love for yourself was was pure and your intention was good and you were not using it uh, against anyone. Mm-hmm. But then it starts with, and I, my favorite always, everybody's favorite, just because of the word is eros. And mm-hmm. This would be the love that we feel for a, a, a loving partner. Uh, the, the sexuality and the commitment of love together. It, it's an incredible love to have, and it's, it's also a very dangerous love. Well, I think what's interesting about the society that we live in now, the modern uh, construct of love is often eros. We don't really think yeah. a lot about some of these other ones. And oh, yeah. uh, it's like when you have a crush on someone, when that's the person you want, just broadly, like this is the one that we go to. This is what we mm. consider love. And uh, in Greek myth, this is the form of madness brought on yes. by one of Cupid's arrows. That's true, too. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And it, but it is the love that we think about the most. And, it's, uh, and it is a madness, I think. <laughs> you, know, you get to, after that, you go into philia, which is, uh, I think, for me, one of the most important. That's the friendship. That's, that's the love of a friend and, and, and the love that two people can feel almost without having as much baggage to it, I think. Storge, Storge, a familial love. 
uh, which is uh, which will find its way into a lot of songwriters' songs anyway, as you write about family and, and uh, brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. Uh, I don't know. Did, did you capture one of those in this album? I don't think you did. I did, you but it's did. a secret. Far out. It's a secret. Do you, there is uh, one. Do you, uh, broadly, I don't need to go into specifics, do you find the uh, this sort of love in your life, a familial love, mm. is this... Um, is this a settled matter, pretty easy stuff, or is it one of those that has uh, required a little navigation? Definitely some navigation. Yeah. Um, the last song, Hummingbird, is about uh, someone in my family who's going through a hard time, and uh, I don't know. I don't want to interrupt your- uh, Oh, no, 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 no. this no, is good. This is your interview. Yeah, that's- okay. yeah. <laughs> the, the prompts, I'm really enjoying The prompts this. are to elicit <laughs> responses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a perfect world, Absolutely. we pepper some Tom Gaffey, we yeah, pepper yeah. some Caitlyn Gemma, okay. yeah, yeah. and right. love is the through line. But anyway- yeah. um, Well, this is a pretty cool story. So the, the last, oh, oh, sorry. Second to last um, song on the album is called Hummingbird. And the reason it's called Hummingbird is because um, I had nine songs ready to go on the album. And it was several days before I was going to go up to Enterprise and record it. And someone in my family had called me and they were having a really, really hard time. And I felt so disconnected because I was so physically far away. And also there's only so really so much you can do for someone when they're having a hard time. Like you just have to send them love and, and wish them the best really. Um, and that's, so, that can be a very helpless feeling. Um, when you, you know, have someone that's struggling with addiction, especially that's really hard because there's really nothing that, that you can do except send them love. Um, that would be the, the hard love you were talking about. The, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it is tough love. In yeah, that tough way. love. Yeah. yeah. In this particular instance, it seemed like it wasn't that, though. It seemed like you were like, gosh, I wish I could do something. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I, I come back to this, like, help more helpless feeling of, like, ah. I love you and I wish that there was something I could do about this. Um, so I was really struggling with that feeling and um, I got up really early in the morning. I was staying in Portland and um, it was probably six o'clock in the morning and, and I was sort of, you know, meditating with my guitar, just playing guitar. And this song started coming to me and I was thinking about this person and, and, and thinking about the concept of like, okay, nothing that I can really say to this person is going to is going to make a difference, but maybe I can just send them some positive energy through my music. Um, and as I was doing that, and I started write this song, um, this hummingbird came by and flew right in front of my face. And I don't know if you guys ever experienced sometimes birds seem to fly in front of my face at very odd moments in my life. Um, several different kinds of birds I've had experiences with. But, Before you finish the story, did you know that in Native American <laughs> culture, hummingbirds are seen as healers and bringers of love, good luck mm. and joy? Yes. 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 In Central America, they are a sign of love and will bring love to the person who spots them. Ah, See? So, just, I mean, my God. Anyway, sorry yeah, to interrupt, but this no, felt, felt topical. No. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, and once I saw that hummingbird, I felt that I could just feel hope for this person, that I could really, that everything was going to be all right. And then the song 
completed itself and then a second hummingbird came by and they just kind of were fe- there was this little feeder wow. that was that was out outside where i was sitting and they just hung around me for for pretty much the duration of me writing the song and uh the chorus of the song uh just says that's all i can do in in that me- that meaning all i can do is send you love and just hold on to your light and and keep going is the message of that song. So, yeah. thank you for sharing it. Now, w- w- did you say that was like the like kind of the secret one? Like it wasn't. Yeah. yeah well, okay. it's a secret because I don't want to say who oh, it is in my course. family, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing <laughs> that. And I'm sorry to interrupt. I believe uh, you were uh, moving on, unless you have more to well, say. Well, no, on. no. I think uh, uh, the next one was the one that I was the most fascinated with uh, because of an interview mm. that I'd read uh, about your love for. Carson City, which, by the way, uh, you're going to be playing in Ashland, very uh, Jackson, very close to uh, where my father is up in Ashland. Cool. He was a particular fan of Carson City. Cool. Uh, he loved to go up there a lot in his youth and in his young adulthood. And this next love is agape, the love for, it's a general love, but uh, f- uh, quite a bit of love for nature. Mm. Love for strangers, but love for nature. And, and uh, this you learned uh, in Carson City. So I went to school in Carson City, but I'm from Virginia City. Ah. And um, Virginia City is a small mining town up in the mountains at around 7,000 feet. Um, so that's, you know, where where I grew up. I grew up on a dirt road um, with hardly any neighbors, and my parents have an acre of land up there. Um, and so... Car- Carson City is a lot more populated than where I grew up, which is about 1,000 people where I grew up. But I'm in the mountains outside of that town. I believe you said you are a uh, a, a, a country mouse in uh, city mouse clothes or something yeah, such as right. that. That's right. That's um, right. <laughs> but yes, uh, agape. You know, give, as as the text you're reading says, uh, given the increasing anger and division in our society and the state of our planet, we could all do with quite a bit more agape. <laughs> yeah. That's true. And now we move on to your next uh, oh. Tom Gaffey's Seven Types of Love. The Ludus, which is the playful style of love, a non-committed love, uh, ah. just just a love for what the moment. We got the teasing, we got the dancing, yeah. we got the flirting, we got the seducing, we got the conjugating. Ah, all yeah, right, yeah. all right. The focus right. is fun. Yeah, the focus is fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's and you know for me it always I always thought and in fact I remember I related that to being uh, being in the moment with whoever you're with. And there is that connection you get, and there is that love that you feel, and it can be playful and, and uh, boy, and a lot less stressful, I think. But problems arise when one party mistakes Ludus for Eros, because Ludus <laughs> is actually much more compatible with Philia, which if you're uh, paying attention to what we're talking about, that was the affectionate love, the shared goodwill, yeah. friendship, fun. All right. Anything more to say on that type of no, love Ludus, before we move uh, on to the next? Well, actually, how did that feel? How did that figure into uh, playful, uh, fun, looser love? How did that figure into your? You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of a song on the album that, that that would be. You strike me as someone who could be playful. <laughs> I am playful. Yeah, I would say that the songs on Love Notes are. Are playful. Yeah, they are. But they're not necessarily about um, playful love. They're more, they're a little deeper than that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, because I, I look at the album as a kind of a more serious album. It's like yeah. you're, you're musing on all these different things and how they've affected you. And mm-hmm. I assume that at least some of the songs came from a place of pain. 
at, mm. at one point or another, you know, where you were like, oh gosh, I'm having trouble processing this. There's some sort of a blockage in how I'm feeling this particular type of love. Why is that? And this mm. song is kind of your way of examining that inside yourself. Interesting. Would you yeah. say that there's any truth to that or is that just yeah, total it's a, nonsense? You are the second person who who has said like, oh, this, this album has, has, has some sadness in there. And, uh, and it's, it's cool that you see that because, um, I think overall it's a a beat sonically album. Um, but if you do look deeper, there is some, there's some other stuff there too. Well, also, (laughs) you know, me being a human being who has experienced some feelings and you writing an album that is filled with them, you really don't learn things without some of the pain, you yeah, know? I mean, you, if you just go about your life just having a good time and there's no bumps, then an album like this doesn't tend to come out. It's true. It's just, yeah, I think it's just part of life, right? It's part of life. <laughs> um, pragma. You want to talk about pragma? What is pragma? Well, I mean, pragma is the root for pragmatic. Uh, but <laughs> That's pragma right. as a love is is the committed love, uh, love mm-hmm. of country, love of duty, love of of uh what you're into it's a practical mm. love it's a practical love you know it's a reason duty or uh one's longer term interest yeah yeah sexual attraction mm. it takes a backseat in pragma oh pragma, mm. yeah 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 we're more mm. concerned with uh mm. like the the path forward <laughs> i think pragma could could absolutely overtake and destroy eros at times absolutely so would this be like love of your work yeah, Happy love it? of your okay. work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's all over my album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, would it be though? I mean, I feel like Prag. I would. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of these things bleed into a lot of different ways. But I look at Pragma more as like, um, let's say that you didn't necessarily believe that uh, Kim and Kanye loved each other. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm not saying that. I don't know them. But like, oh. but we look at their pairing and we're like, boy, like business wise, this thing really makes a lot of sense. Ah, the Pragma. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, <laughs> in the days of arranged marriages, not that I'm saying anything right. about anybody. Again, Pragma. It, it said to be very common. I mean, basically, like, you know, when you look at two powerful individuals whose power can grow greater by their union or people who just like, you know, in business or whatever, like when uh, partners go into business with each other, at a certain point, it seems like the love kind of takes a backseat to the the practicality, the money, yes. the the moving forward in, in life. That's and pragma. I think that's pragma. You yeah, know? that is. <laughs> you know, I mean, whole countries and wars were ended over pragma, I think. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> You say that love of work has uh, permeates uh, throughout the album. Yes. You love the work that you do. Yeah. You strike me as uh, as someone who uh, is s- singly focused on the music, mm. and that could get in the way of perhaps an arrow style relationship. That's if right. the arrow style yeah. relationship, it's complicated. It, well, absolutely, <laughs> right? I mean, you love you love the arrow stuff. Sure, fine, whatever. But mm. it's like if if uh, it's getting in the way of your progress as a songwriter. As this is your thing. This is your life. This is what you find identity through. I think that you, as a pragmatic individual, would choose the music over the individual. Uh, I, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that has gotten me in trouble before. Let me just say that. But yeah. yes, it's true. I mean, um, I wouldn't say that, uh, you know, overall. But I mean, it's kind of case by case basis, right? It's not like my work comes before my lovers in every area of my life. Um, But my work is highly important to me. And ultimately, 
I'm here to work. This is, yeah, That's this is your purpose. This is what you're here to do. No, seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody would ever do it, but if somebody said, you need to choose between me and this life that we're right. discussing right here, well, you would choose this life. It's, it's just like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you look at all of the road songs that have been written, that's. Yeah. They're out on the road singing theme. about the ones that they can't be with because of pragma. They are out mm. doing what they love, out doing their job, out doing their career, out on the road while the family or, or, or your, your lover waits back at home. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, rock and roll. The uh, the road of of rock and roll is paved on broken hearts and uh, <laughs> <laughs> pragma, broken relationships. This is exceptionally difficult for people who don't live this life to understand. Yes, they they cannot understand they a lot of the time, and that, and that is why yeah. uh, I mm-hmm. think after some stumblings and some probably relationships mm-hmm. that didn't work out, you you realize that, and then you have to take that in consideration when choosing someone to spend that time with. Yeah. If they don't understand, if they, <laughs> That's don't, right. if they don't understand that they have to share you, they have to share you with this life, then that it's I'm not going to work yeah, out. Yeah, that I'm married already yeah. to exactly. my work. So. Yeah, yeah, but you're Polly in that way. Yeah. Um, so you'll allow another person in, yeah. but they need to understand. Uh, exactly. It's a shared relationship. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, Comes with perks, though. I mean, backstage yeah. passes. Oh, yes. Yeah, and and, and also it, it, it will if you <laughs> and allow it will be written about you if you if the partner allows <laughs> it to songs. bloom, uh, it can yeah. only get better. It's true. Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of good that waits yeah. on the other side. But that is actually what all night is about, partially. Tell us more. Um, so I was in New Orleans. It. It was a very sweaty, humid, normal New Orleans. That's New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, uh, October afternoon. And I was thinking about this fantasy I have, which is like, okay, so uh, I want to have a partner that I can spoil, but that I get in return this uh, understanding that, okay, I'm going to support her and her work, right? And so... So wait a minute, just to be clear, you spoil individual and in return, individuals like, hey, you know, you do you. Go out on the road. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. You don't want to be spoiled so, back. This is not a person that wants to be spoiled no, back. I, I want to be spoiled. I mean, I want my love straight up. That's str- what the <laughs> song says. Yeah. Uh, you strike me as someone who would accept not an equal level of spoilage. Mm. spoiling as long as you got that agreement that you just stated i don't know if that's well okay if it was one or the other maybe yeah (laughs) but um yes (laughs) the song starts off um i'm giving you everything i've got tonight i've got love let's keep this flame hot 70116 best you understand ain't nobody shaking and stirring it like i can Serve to me that top shelf man. I want to be his little sugar mama. That is the key there. All right. So oh, if you're spoilage. cool with that, with me being out on the road, like, guess what? I'm going to take you to New Orleans. We're going to have a great time. We're going to get oysters. Yeah. <laughs> and you should know. Uh, get you backstage, baby. <laughs> 70116 is, of course, the zip code. You got, Orleans, yeah. you got it. You got it. Just, you know, this is a behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah. Fans only. I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know your zip codes. Oh, that's true. Google knows your zip codes. <laughs> uh, 
Well, best of luck in finding that arrangement. Um, <laughs> it's it's a tough one, but Ooh. it's out there. <laughs> there you. there is an eighth type of love, by the way. Your list had seven types of love, yeah. but there is an eighth type of love. Is there an eighth? Type they of call love? it mania. Oh, uh, Obs- oh, so that's like eros, eros oh. on steroids. It's not necessarily a good type of love because it is obsessive. Yeah, and no. it can lead someone to madness, jealousy, and even anger. Yeah. And that is because the balance between eros and ludus, sexual and playful, is terribly off. Mm-hmm. Often, people who experience this type of love have some low self-esteem. They fear losing the object of their love. And yeah. The fear compels them to do things. It can be very destructive. The eighth type of love. It's not all fun and games, folks. No. No. Wow. <laughs> it's a modern world. I feel like I know the answer to this question, but uh, what do you feel like the love you struggled with the most was when you were writing this album? Mm. I struggled the most. Um... You know, I can't think of a of a particularly challenging love song on Love Notes um, because at that time I was in a relationship. Now I'm working on my breakup album, and <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. And that's uh, that's <laughs> a lot harder. In fact, um, I've had experiences recording this new album that I've never had before, where I've just kind of like feel like I'm back in that experience of breaking up again and um and and with love notes it's I didn't have that as much of a challenge I think the most challenging song on love notes was probably hummingbird because I was thinking about this family member who was struggling and um yeah and so that one was I had to kind of purposely put myself in a in a darker emotional space to be able to create that um, but the breakup album is a whole other dark emotional space. How long ago did the breakup happen? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it happened, um, October last year. Yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes these things take years. So, uh, yeah. um, and the album may be coming out around the anniversary of that breakup. Yes, yeah, this, is, this is an October uh, t- tentative release for this thing. That's right. Um, that's right. Do we want to come back to the breakup album or do we just want to talk about it right now? We just, just yeah, let's go? just go on. What are you it. learning about yourself in this album? Ooh, yeah. Wee. Tell us, what are you learning? Okay. Two so, questions and just, you should, you know, we'll just sit back. Okay. It's like, what? <laughs> What are you learning about yourself as you make this album and write this album, record this album? And then also, like, just more broadly, what have you learned about yourself generally? Mm. I have learned of my own strength and my own capabilities. Um, This is the first time that I really, really, really got my heart broken. Like, I've had some minor fractures, but this was a huge... <laughs> turning and understanding of what all of these heartbreak songs over time they're so dramatic you know and until you really get your heart broken you you're just like oh another heartbreak song like so dramatic like i know what that feels like like it's not that bad until you have the one <laughs> and when you have that one then it really makes sense and uh I'm this album that I'm doing. It's just a really quick thing. Um, I'm not having a band with me. I'm having some accompaniment, some violin, trumpet. Maybe there'll be some rhythm on some songs, but it's mostly solo. And it's supposed to be solo because it's a solo journey, right? Um, 
and there's about four there's going to be four or five new songs or some some of them are from older albums that I'm redoing and then some are new and then there's some cover album or cover songs too that I'm putting on the album that are your classic breakup song <laughs> Uh, I won't share that yet. There's a lot of material in breakup. It's a special songwriting is a special art form because it's very intimate like that, right? You yeah. have to decide where you want to be, uh, how real you want to be. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you you're being out. very real. Yeah, I mean, I think well, being authentic is the primary goal in my in creating my art because I think if I'm being honest about what I'm experiencing and feeling then that allows other people to do that too. So, I mean, as, as someone who has felt some pain in my life, uh, I've, I asked this question from my own experience, and that is like, how much did you reevaluate in your life? Because it feels oh like gosh. this process of uh, heartbreak is uh, ultimately when you zoom out, it becomes like you taking inventory of everything yeah. and just painfully looking at it all. And oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like a... it's. It's the most intense process I've ever had in my life. Definitely. Um, So many levels, so many depths of it. And it just goes on and on. It's incessant. It feels like there's, you know, it's, it's grief, right? Yeah. So over time, different things will bother me about it that I would not have expected them to. And, and, you know, it, there's a new song I have that says, like, time is the ultimate healer. And that's true, um, that over time, things do heal. And also, <laughs> you get other perspectives on on the grieving process. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now, where I'm healing and learning, but I'm also still wounded and being honest with myself about that. And I think in this process, I've just had to not run away from that. And in, in, instead of, you know, turning to substances or turning to things that are unhealthy for me, I'm just turning it into my art and relying on my art to support me in that process and in that grief. I think that we societally are... Uh kind of trained to think that this process should be a lot tidier than it always is. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not supposed to be. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not supposed to be. And like you, when I asked you the question about when it happened, you kind of laughed and it's October because a lot of the time you tell someone that and uh, they think like, and you're still right. But the reality of it is I think to like fully heal and process the, the intense pain of like thinking life was going to go one way and then it going another way. Yeah. I mean, that, that is oftentimes a multi-year process, whether people want to admit it or not. It's true. I, I don't expect to be fully, you know, through this process for a few more years. Yeah. Because I was with this person for six years of my life. And that's a long time to be with someone. And that's a lot of processing. And where I'm at right now with it is like, oh, not that, you know, I, I think as time goes on after you... you have the breakup and and you begin to realize, okay, this person maybe wasn't, you know, right for me in these ways. But where I'm at with it right now, and I'm being very vulnerable in sharing this, um, is I'm learning that what I'm, what I'm grieving right in this moment is 
the that deep connection with somebody else is is this kind of overwhelming feeling of like man that took years for me to feel so connected and vulnerable with someone and so raw and I've never I'd never at that point been so intimate with someone and then to not have that connection it's unnerving it is seriously unnerving because you get so close with someone and you get all the benefits of that and then when that's removed from your life it's like you've been thrown out into the ether alone and you didn't even realize how alone you were (laughs) until that moment and it's it's pretty psychedelic in a way like when I when I think about it I just kind of think like I I've visualize myself in this dark universe sort of floating and just waiting for the next light to connect with um i don't know if that's the right well, that makes sense. metaphor but weirdly uh because <laughs> we did dealing with with teenagers down here we deal yeah, with the that. phoenix theater if you're a kaylin jeff fan and you don't know what he's talking about oh, yeah, we're at the phoenix it's a community center and it, oh, yeah. it does a lot of work with young kids a lot of teens and stuff and and uh so they're mm-hmm. A lot of them are, are losing are breaking up from their first relationships. And one of the fears is that they'll never find someone that they can yeah. be that vulnerable with again and that comfortable and, and uh, that safe with. And there's the feeling of now all of a sudden what I thought was safe turned out it wasn't safe. And boy, is that a scary thing. So, yeah, there's just so much going on in the breakup. Yeah. But after I've been watching this for years and years and years, ah. I know that it's going to come back around. I know. (laughs) Well, I want to share one thing that, um, so (laughs) when uh, the person I was seeing, he broke up with me on on the phone as I was uh, boarding my airplane to New Orleans. I was going to go play some gigs in, uh, in New Orleans for Halloween. And he broke up with me as I was, you know, it was very dramatic, felt like it was a scene from a movie or something. So it felt like I was sort of watching myself play this out. And I'm getting broke up with on the phone and I'm sitting down in my my seat. And uh, my life has just completely changed at this point. And I and I was alone on the airplane and I'm just kind of like, I have to tell someone to this. I look to my right, this these two older ladies, I'm in the I'm in the window seat. These two two older ladies and I go, my partner of of six years just broke up with me. And she looked over at me and she goes, sweetie, you're better off. (laughs) And I just kind of like the the deep inside voice inside me goes, I know you're right. (laughs) But the the louder ego voice was just like, no, you don't understand this. No, it can't be. But there was this other, I got a sense of comfort though, because I thought, you know, she's seen some stuff. So she must be right. Like, I think (laughs) I'm going to be okay. I feel like you're (laughs) you're going to be that person in like 70 years flying to New Orleans at the same time (laughs) to play a show. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly do. That's going to be you. But you'll start off with, by the way, I've been waiting for this moment. Yeah. Um, I remember when <laughs> moment. Well, and you know, to something you said earlier about like how just like heartbreaking the the thought of having this deep connection with someone and then not having it anymore. Yeah. 
you reflect on like, yeah, maybe we weren't right for each other. Maybe this thing was wrong. Maybe that thing was wrong. But like when the, the grief surrounding the loss of that connection is like, yeah. you know what, however imperfect that relationship was, it was like, at least we had that deep connection and now we don't have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's stupid thing our mind does where it like starts to like amplify things that really should not be amplified. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, You've been I living do. it for 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's um, annoying. <laughs> well, you know what's most annoying about it is how it just totally fucks up your uh, radar uh, for moving throughout the world and making decisions. That's yeah. the most, especially yeah. for you as somebody who does this does this work, makes this music, and it's it's incredibly energy intensive. Yes. Uh, it, the the uh, the the book. Well, not only the writing the music and performing the music, but just like the life of a touring person who doesn't have like major backing from, you know, industry or whatever, it's incredibly difficult, even if you're centered and sane and feel right. And so when everything inside you feels broken, it's tough. So my question for you is like, how much did it affect your creative life and the music Mm. life? It definitely put a lot on pause for me. Um, It was kind of like, okay, now I'm going on a forced sabbatical. (laughs) And I, I had to cancel some shows and I had to feel okay doing that. Um, I never like to cancel shows. Um, but I was in such a state of grief that it just, it was impossible for me to continue on with my life as normal. Like I just had to literally go to my mom's house and be cared for and be vulnerable like that. And it's been very interesting to see how different relationships in my life have gotten closer because of this. And, um, and I'll say also that like, you know, it, it just for, it forces you to look at everything in your life in a new way and to put more pieces together and you're learning about, okay, what was I doing? What was I believing about myself to have this kind of relationship happen because relationships are always a reflection of ourselves too. Um, So there was all that work that is, you know, it's ongoing. It doesn't stop. But um, I will say that, you know, when you're in the thick of that, like physical heartbreak too, very, there's a very physical component of that. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's really hard. And I think, something you were saying earlier that you know it's there's this pressure in our society it's like oh it's been this long like you should be over it by blah 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 and there's really no timeline for this like I know people who've been divorced for 30 years and they still have their triggers around said person well you were in a relationship for six years yeah it's only been 10 months yeah and I think so 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 one like lesson I'm learning in this is just be kind to yourself. Be kind to your own process and what you're going through because I think it should be talked about more that this is a one of the toughest human experiences that will ever that you'll ever go through. That heartbreak is so real and it's so complex and deep and it just it's you know, it's a spiral. It's a spiral process. Um, and there is no distinct timeline. Okay, like, you know, it would be nice if we could just, you know, 
with a common cold, I know in three or four days I'm going to be feeling good oh, again. Oh, kind of, but it's going to linger for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see what you're saying, though, because w- w- when you're in it, it feels like it's going to last forever. Yeah. And, and it won't, yeah. but it may last for a very long time longer than you would like. Uh, and also, like all of the societal cues that we get on this are, in my opinion, wrong. They're wrong. The yeah. the the, the I, I would say like the overarching advice you get from people is that you should go out and date, and that you should just go find someone else. And uh, yeah. what that actually does is it uh, not only does it I think prevent your healing from happening at the level that it should, mm-hmm. but it also like now brings someone else who's going to get hurt. If you're really feeling that deep sense of pain, and you're only trying to escape that deep sense of pain by just subbing in someone else to me not great advice Mm -hmm. Uh, not to say you shouldn't date but it's just like feeling the pain and experiencing it over the long term i think is healthy yeah um and being honest with yourself and others about what that process is like so it seems like with this breakup then you are uh eros we're kind of backing off that a little bit and Mm. seems like you are sort of uh diving deeper into some of the other forms of love you know and and that's kind of cool so uh, that's a that's me connecting mm. an earlier conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, you're letting love in, but you're not. Mm. You're, uh, you're and you're almost by necessity, because mm. like the type of love you had is, uh, you know, that that relationship is over now. Yeah. Um, but you know, life moves on, and there yeah. is like you say in or first thing you said on this thing, you said something about how like love is the constant season. Was constant that? season that stays exactly. Yeah. And so you're letting that in, hopefully, as much as you can. <clears throat> and the city you grew up in, again, was what? Virginia City, Nevada. Vir- Virginia City, Nevada. And it's not a city. <laughs> it's how, a how very people, small town. How many people thousand people. That? It's very small. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have also said of this city that it gave you an appreciation for saloon culture, music, mm-hmm. and wild women. Female, That's right. Female outlaws in particular. That's right. Um I hope you have an answer to this question. Some of <laughs> some of your songs have focused on these sorts of people, and I'm curious: mm. Do you have any historically, uh, you know, female outlaws, just mm. like those like characters that are written about, that are sung about, or maybe that you even have known in real life? Mm. Well, on my third album, I have a song that's about my great great grandmother, and. Um, my grandmother passed away when she was 94, almost 95 years old. And she, my, a lot of my family lives, lives in Michigan. And so I went uh, the, for her 94th birthday. Yeah, I guess it was that. Um, and she told me the story about how my great-great-grandmother had escaped an arranged marriage. And... Uh, and, and the story just really fascinated me because I thought, man, like I've never heard of any kind of story like this in my family. Um, so I wrote, so I wrote the song Ballad of Tom Hazel. My, my great grandmother's name is Tom. She was given a boy's name because her father wanted to have a boy (laughs) and he treated her like a boy and she ended up leaving the family and starting another life um yeah and so i have on on that album that has that song there's a spoken word that i wrote that's kind of it's like an ode to wild women and uh and it kind of you know it's it's got sort of like this this inspiration drawn from some of the people in in virginia city that live like saloon girls and things like that that i 
think are cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, so you're, this is your great grandmother? Great, great. Great, great. Grandmother. Grandmother. Yes. I mean, I, I love that because I would never ask you who your heroes are, mm-hmm. but like that woman could absolutely be a hero. Yeah. Like what a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know any yeah. of the details of her escaping from that arranged marriage? So what my grandmother told me was that, um, that they lived in Missouri and it was a plantation and she climbed over a wall in the middle of the night and and she was arranged to marry an old doctor pragma yeah <laughs> but she was in love with the cobbler with the shoemaker eros yeah <laughs> that's right and so that's she ended up marrying him and she got the shoemaker she got the oh, shoemaker. Cool. I know. And I just love that story. Whether, you know, I don't know if the details of that are completely true, but whether or not, like, it's... It uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because doesn't matter. it's kind of like, it's this story of of uh, women making their own choices with their own damn lives. And I'm in full support of that. <laughs> so... <sighs> What a thing. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I feel like that is like such a good uh final like story. I mean, I have a, I have like two more questions, but like okay. that, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I, I honestly like I feel like you channel her spirit in oh. everything that you do. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, yeah. it's it's not an I easy mean, life that you've chosen for yourself. Mm. It's it, there's a lot of loneliness in it. There's obviously heartbreak you've experienced oh now. But also but also the reward of following your heart and doing what you feel is right mm. for you is, is, is incredible. Don't you think that was your great grandmother sitting great great grandmother sitting next to you on the plane that day? Ah <laughs> sweetie, you're better off. Yeah, I think so. Um Yeah, because I think so many times in our life we 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 will give our power over to other people and um then we get these opportunities in our lives to to really face come face to face with that and say what what am i living for and do you feel like even despite all the pain of the last year that mm. like you're living for something that you can yeah, yeah definitely i feel that you know when i get stuck i always come back to music it's music has never left me and i'm just going with that and if ever sometime in my life music fades out of my life, then I'll be present with that. But right now, and for the last several years of my life, music has been what my heart is so attached to doing. And I can't not feel that. Um, I, trust me, I've tried to do other careers and they don't feel the same. And I'm, you know... Maybe I shouldn't say this on air, but maybe I'm not the best employee, you know, because I have this, I'm married to this thing and I'm going with that. And when I get stuck, I just, you know, kind of wave my hands up at the universe and I say, send me a miracle. And then I wait and I have not had to wait very long when I've really gotten down on my knees and say, what do you want from me? (laughs) Do you want me to do this thing or not? If you do want me to do it, send me a miracle right now. I kind of, you know, have a tantrum with the universe. And then they'll make you wait like two or three days. All right. All right. 
Well, what, what's inc- what's incredible about that is like <laughs> that, uh, Tom Gaffey to my right. I mean, you have described that exact experience yeah, yeah. in your it's, own I, life I, uh, I in different words. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. All right, that's that's faith, and faith is yeah. uh, my God. Historically, there are there are places where it can be proven. Mm. Something about it. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. 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 I Don't mean, give you, up on that. you you both live lives and do things that on paper this society would look at and be like, you two are mad. What are you doing? Yeah. It can't it can't work. Yeah. It won't work. <laughs> and yet you both have found ways to do it. Mm. And um, yeah, sometimes you just gotta you do, you you push as much as you can, yeah. and then you you sometimes you gotta reach out to to whatever, yeah. and usually that will provide. Yeah. What a beautiful way for you to wrap. Uh, this thing up. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Do you have any closing no, thoughts for is, us? This has been wonderful. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming and doing this with us. Thank uh, you. I, uh, uh, what I've heard tonight and what I heard uh, today as I was listening to your album, uh, your arrangements are just an awful lot of fun. Mm. Uh, again, I keep coming back to the instrumentation. It's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's well balanced and God, it's just a uh, it's a wonderful album. Thank you and to so see much. it live is Aww. even more fun. So <laughs> come and, and check her out live. It's been my pleasure. Thank, thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah, thank well, you. Thanks for coming. You know, like I, I said it during the intro, um, you know, you have been doing music for a long time. I mean, you're cl- closing it on 10 years, right? Sharing it with been people? Been songwriting for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, what I find amazing about your success so far is you, you live in the East Bay and you obviously have a presence in the North Bay where we are, mm. but it seems like you've got areas up and down the coast where you, you, know, you go up to Portland, you've got pockets <laughs> and, and people, people love it. And yeah. so well, I love them. My team goodness. <laughs> exactly. Shout out. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, you're someone we've been wanting to document on this project for a while and I'm really thankful that you came and Aww. made it happen tonight. So yeah. thank, thank you, you so, much so much for that. Yeah. And speaking of which, watching it live, Mr. Gaffey, it's oh, funny yeah. you should mention that yes. because uh, in just a moment, Kaylin yeah, Gemma and her band will be performing yeah. a set of this music. So let's go to that in just a moment. Thanks again, Kaylin. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>
Keep on loving you. 